0: This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to the food podcast, Side Dishes, a Village Soundcast Network miniseries where we celebrate and explore the flavor of home. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson.
1: Dear Lindsay, I've loved thinking about flavors of home, even if I couldn't decide what they were or what exactly home even means. I think of food and family, of my grandmother and my parents, and my three brothers with whom I shared those influential people and meals. Years of meals. Then I think of my husband and our current home and our Venn diagram of overlaps and differences. His tidy cooking, my chaos, his love of quantity and density, my preference for sparse and light. And personally, I keep coming back to the word, the flavor, the descriptor of sour. But then I always remember some notes of the sweet and the salty and the bitter too.
0: The Venn diagram of my friendship with Jasmine is a series of circles where my younger sister Lee, my aunt Sandra, my friend Andrea, Jasmine and I overlap. Lee went to high school with Jasmine. She was one of Lee's very smart friends, the smartest maybe, but not scary smart, likeable smart. The kind of person who would laugh as her mass of black curls bounced, her face inviting you in with warmth and curiosity. Jasmine grew up with her Israeli parents and her three brothers in a tall, narrow home full of talent and music, with a strong Yiddish flavor permeating everything. Lisa's Jasmine would arrive to class in a happy fury, rummage through her backpack, and eventually pull out a crumpled piece of paper, which turned out to be the most poetic piece of writing the class had ever heard. Andrea is Jasmine's friend and fellow filmmaker. Andrea filmed Jasmine's short, Glamour Guts, an instructional film on how to live glamorously with intestinal disease. They've been friends ever since. My aunt Sandra met Jasmine through Andrea, or maybe it was through me or Lee, we're not sure. This is how it goes with good friends. All five of us get together for dinner when Jasmine is in town. It's women only, always a potluck. We talk about our lives, our work, and we tell stories that make us laugh. Jasmine's famous laughter still moves throughout her body. Her hair is shorter now, but still long enough to bounce. Andrea throws her head back. Sandra sometimes slaps the table. And Lee's laughter is totally visual. It's an inhale, completely inaudible, but a joy to behold. We come together around the table, overlapping with our love of flavor, friendship, nourishment, and curiosity.
1: Last summer, a new friend, Graham, came over for some pickle soup. You know the one. It was very satisfying, for me at least. I don't even know if he was hungry. It was four in the afternoon. But he was in town only briefly to play a show and had a short window to hang out, and I needed to feed him that pickle soup. Because before I'd ever met him, Graham was on tour with one of my brothers, Danny, who had written to me, Hey, only if super easy. Do you happen to have a photo for the pickle soup recipe? Accordion player does a lot of pickling. I sent him my messy notation. Thought yours might be superior yes i had the recipe it was actually a cumulative recipe from my grandmother first the pickles and then from those optionally the pickle soup my brothers and i always loved both the pickles made without vinegar just salt fresh dill garlic pickling spice no precise measurements every time i asked my grandma she'd say in polish No, Jasminka, Jagneviem, I don't know. And it was funny, but we also both knew why I was writing it down. I got my approximations, and the recipe ends with, I leave the jars on a warm balcony for several days. If all went perfectly, the pickles would become carbonated. Biting into a carbonated vegetable is a fabulous life experience. And if the pickles don't get fizzy, well... Perfect thing to do with them is make pickle soup. My grandma, she was a Holocaust survivor. She was starving for years. She had to learn to cook in a hurry with very limited ingredients when she was working as a housekeeper for an Austrian Nazi family that had no idea she was Jewish during the Second World War. I think, like all survivors, her relationship to food was permanently altered. For some, it goes in the direction of the overflowing fridge, over-serving, over-eating. For others, like her, it was the no-more-than-what-you-need, no-waste approach. My mum just wrote a book that includes my grandma's Holocaust survival story. I read the manuscript and was struck by the recurrence of food in its absence. The daydreams my grandma and her sister had about giving each other thick slices of bread with butter. The precious carrot that was grabbed out of my grandma's hand on the street by a hungry acquaintance. I also realized that although for entirely different and incomparable reasons, she and I both spent many years hungry. In my case, it's because I have Crohn's, an intestinal disease, and the only way I have some control over my symptoms is to not eat. I've also needed to fast a few times for weeks for medical tests, surgeries, and treatments. This has for sure had an effect on my relationship to food, I want it to taste good. I want to be hungry for it. If I'm going to pay a digestive cost, I'm okay with that, but I want it to be worth it. Kosher dill pickles
0: are made by covering cucumbers with salt, garlic, pickling spices, and fresh dill, and leaving them to ferment in a warmish spot. The salt keeps bacteria from growing as carbohydrates are transformed into carbon dioxide. While the acid created through the fermentation process keeps the cucumbers tough and crunchy, acid plus fermentation equals flavorful crunchy pickles. It's a simple tale of capturing something in its prime, putting it through duress, only for it to come out better than it was before. This beautiful, crunchy, salty, bubbly thing, a humble green cucumber that persevered until it became a pickle, is an ingredient woven into Jasmine's flavor history. But my pickle history is different. It's not a story of survival. It's more sweet and silliness. I'm in a pickle. Scratch and sniff the dill pickle sticker. The classic pregnant woman's craving, a big pickle in Nelly from Little House in the Prairie's case, a kosher dill pickle eaten with vanilla ice cream. Sour and sweet, crunchy and soft. Or that game we played with hands when we were little. Slap five, up high, through the pickle. Pickle, 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 pickle. Army green and oblong, floating in a murky liquid, seeds bobbing around. My sister Lee was the family outlier. She loved dill pickles. Dill pickles were considered an acquired taste like olives, chicken liver, or fish eyeballs. Food that most don't like because they haven't been exposed to it, but might grow to love it eventually. Or as the Urban Dictionary says, this stuff is shit, but you'll get used to it. Because here in the Maritimes, we've been exposed to something different, something more familiar, something sweeter. Like the tiny pickled gherkins my grandmother served in a small, cut-glass bowl with our lunch on Sundays. I loved how delicate they were, so little, sour, and sweet. Or how about chow chow, or bread and butter, the condiment pickles that have been made for generations around here. They are chopped pickles and spooned alongside a boring dinner to add crunch and tangy sweetness. And it's cucumber season right now, so people are making dill pickles. But like chow chow and bread and butter, the recipe calls for salt, herbs, pickling spices, along with vinegar and sugar. Jasmine's pickles are fermented with just salt. In contrast to that, vinegar and sugar aid in fermentation in a safe, controlled way. There's no, maybe it won't work, or is this room warmish enough? But salt alone allows for good bacteria to grow. This is called lactofermentation. fermentation the sweet maritime way is a form of pickle, yes, but our pickles are not alive. This makes me wonder, all the sugar, the sweetness, are we afraid of homemade carbonation? Are we afraid of adversity? Are we afraid of sour? And most of all, would Jasmine say our sweet pickles are worth it?
1: Almost 15 years ago, I had my second of many intestinal surgeries. I'd been living and working in Ottawa, but I came back home to Halifax for the operation. A few weeks after I got out of the hospital, I met a man named Ezra. We had a magical and engulfing love story. I moved back to Nova Scotia to be with him, though I decided not to move into his house right away. I wanted that part to feel ripe rather than convenient. Plus. He lived in the tiny town of Lunenburg, and I wanted to maintain a connection to the city too. He had a good friend, Dougie, who lived in a big house that had a flat that I could rent. I took it, and Doug became not only my neighbor, but a special person in my life as well. Dougie and Ezra knew each other from NASCAT, the art college, where Ezra had studied ceramics, and Dougie was the technician in the department. He was much more than a technician, though. He made beautiful work bowls and platters. He knew how to cook and host and serve artfully. His doors were always open to me, to Ezra, and to my friends, who became our friends. We had beautiful, hilarious dinners. It was such a sweet era. My surgery was not successful, but I was so happy. I didn't care. I felt lucky. I remember wishing that Ezra could have met my grandmother and that she could have met him. I knew they would have loved each other as much as I loved each of them. When I told Ezra I had her pickle recipe, he was all in, and we pickled together. My first time since she had died. Time passed, the pickles soured, and our relationship just got sweeter. One bitterly cold, sunny day, Ezra and I were in a car accident. He died. I'd never experienced such heartbreak. I was grief-wrecked. After I got home from the hospital, it was such a dark and blurry time. I'd sit on my back steps and cry every day. Dougie, who couldn't bear the sadness, would poke his head over the fence and say all the wrong things. But he did know how to do the right things. He taught me how to garden. I wanted to grow food, and even though he was a flower snob, he built raised beds for me and a mini Eiffel Tower for the precious cucumbers and edible nasturtiums to climb up. I grew tomatoes and herbs and broccoli. And, bit by bit, these signs of sustenance and life fed me. And Doug fed me, he kept hosting dinners and had come through a passage in our shared basement, popping out in his dining room. I don't remember when I first noticed, but I started to feel at a certain point like he was bringing a parade of men through, hoping, I think, that any one of them might be a match for me. Three years later, I popped into Doug's kitchen and Matt was there. He had first been a ceramic student at the art college, and now he was back to teach a few classes for a year. Dougie hosted a big dinner at his long, skinny table. That night, he served a whole fish, and one of my girlfriends ate the eyeball to try and catch a guy's attention. The guy barely registered the sacrificial eyeball ingestion, but Matt and I laughed and laughed at the failed attempt. And then a second dinner, pasta-making this time, with just me, Matt, and Doug kind of a chaperone date by accident. And finally, just me and Matt. We cooked at my place, and it was exciting and uncomplicated. He moved in quickly, and we became a unit quickly. And so, when he got a full-time ceramic teaching job offer in Baltimore, we decided to get married under a chuppah in Dougie's garden. In my garden next door, we had snacks on the tables, surrounded by climbing cucumbers and all my dear family, friends, and vegetables. And Everin danced the Hora in a giant circle through the open gates of the two backyards as my brothers played klezmer music.
0: Bye, 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 bye.
1: Then we moved the party to the art college, to the ceramics department, where everyone ate one of Matt's and my Venn diagram overlaps, falafel and shawarmas, with mandatory pickled turnips. And Dougie gave one of those speeches, the kind that's painful in the moment, but later contributes to the joy of the memory. It was essentially a 15-minute sales pitch for the mustard he makes. I remember the line, you've got the two ingredients, the mustard seeds and the vinegar. I was sure I was the vinegar, but he never even drew the metaphor. I visited
0: Jasmine's garden earlier this summer. We walked around the raised beds and stepped on the arugula growing wild in between. Jasmine said Dougie smuggled the arugula seeds from Italy, and now arugula has taken over the garden. She bent over and picked some for me. The leaves were warm from the sun and so peppery, almost hot. She pointed out her favourite dogwood, near a wooden structure for climbing peas, the leaning tower of Pisa, Matt calls it. We moved under the arbour, covered in grapes, and then to the back of the garden, where espaliered pear trees stretch across the fence. I imagine their blossoms in the spring, a wall of white. This is not a selfish garden. This is a come-in-and-see garden, Walk, play, dance, sit down, and eat. Join in. Life will grow, bloom, wither, and die here. But then it'll grow back again next year. Jasmine bent over and picked some dill to garnish the pickle soup she had made for us for lunch. There were forget-me-nots growing up through the dill, tiny blue flowers tangled throughout those floaty fronds. That says something jasmine said i twirled the dill between my fingers it had gone to seed a chartreuse queen anne's lace of sorts ready to flavor a batch of pickles a forget-me-not blossom clung to the dill blue on yellow a flavor and a reminder
1: and so the time came for matt and i to leave nova scotia and another era ended i rented my place out which i had bought from ducky Dougie had bought Ezra's old house and moved to Lunenburg. There was still the matter of the pickles I'd made with Ezra, now a literal preservation, but I couldn't bring them with me, so I distributed those pickles to the safe refrigerators of my brothers and my parents, and it went without saying, please don't touch those pickles, not yet. And Matt and I built a new life in a new city, It was so hard to start over, but very gradually I forged a place for myself and a whole new set of important relationships. I knew we'd created a real home when I was ready to throw not just any party, but a Jewish holiday party for our new Baltimore world. This was the invite. Dear friends, this Saturday is one of the eight available Hanukkah nights, so if you're free, come over. Mad and I will make the Jewishiest snacks that I can think of, the common ingredient being the worry that it won't ever be enough. Most specifically, I want to promise you latkes, though having so far in life managed to get away with eating other people's potato pancakes, oh peep-peep-peas, and as I make this delayed transition to adulthood, I'm preemptively nervous about my latke performance. Like anything Jewish, there are thousands of opinions on how and why, and why not, and they all conflict. Depending on which expert's advice I choose to follow, and they're all experts, the result could be wispy, crispy, and golden, or cold, soggy, and bitter. So to give you the full cultural experience, please join me in assuming the worst. Then we can together either be pleasantly surprised or hopeful that bitter latkes should be the least of our troubles. I realize this is short notice, and I already know a couple of you will be away. But given that this is a holiday of miracles and a culture of guilt, I still hope to see each of you. And is that so wrong, Jasmine?"
0: Jasmine is famous for her emails. I have one saved from last year. It was a group email inviting friends to a party in her garden. She was home from Baltimore, but it kept her flat in Halifax, and her garden was in full September bloom. Could we all please come over? Tomorrow? The email included a link to Elvis's You Were Always On My Mind, which we had to listen to while reading the invite. I couldn't make it to our house last year, but I was there for the pickle soup that hot afternoon in July. Lee and Sandra were away, but Andrea was free, and Matt too. I brought buffalo yogurt to spoon on top of the pickle soup. Jasmine usually serves it with a dollop of sour cream, but she thought the tangy yogurt, made from a herd of buffalo that grazed near the ocean on the south shore of Nova Scotia, would do the trick. It was a hot day for soup, but it didn't seem to matter. The soup was pure nourishment perfectly chopped cubes of what were once cucumbers, then fermented into pickles, then softened into a soup. And with them came all the flavors that dill pickles bring. Salt, garlic, mustard seed and dill, lots of dill. It was pungent in the best way, made smooth and creamy from the yogurt. Then she served vibrant salads from Otto Lange's cookbook, Jerusalem, roasted carrots and the peppery arugula from her garden, and vibrant greens topped with nasturtiums. The soup was a nod to Polish practicality, but the salads, they were all Israeli sunshine, where her father's family have lived for generations. We ate coconut cream pie for dessert from the bakery on the corner. The bakery is a Halifax institution but was closing soon. The family was retiring, so I bought a pie. I had to. Soon, Matt and Jasmine would be moving to Montreal, but they'd bring pickles with them and make pickle soup in their new kitchen. And we'd be here when they visited to share the sweet and sour together. And we'd laugh and slap the table and inhale all that is nourishing, curious, and flavorful, and sometimes sweet.
1: Lindsay, this got complicated, but you know, that too, I think. Is one of my flavors of home. With love, Jasmine.
0: So, what's the flavor of your home? We'd love to hear. I'm on Twitter at The Food Podcast, or we can chat on Instagram at Lindsey Cameron Wilson or at The Food Podcast. Thank you, Jasmine, for the beautiful letter. And thanks to your brother, Sagivor for the beautiful music. You can find all the pickle recipes and links to Jasmine's films in our show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. This was a Village
1: Soundcast Network original production.